This morning, um, we have a program here at our church every Thursday night. Um, every Thursday night, they meet. It's called uh, Celebrate Recovery. And it, 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 there, there's never a break. You know, if you want to take off. Christmas comes around, you're celebrating recovery, right? Thanksgiving comes around, what are you doing? You're celebrating recovery. There, there's no breaks, right, in the recovery process. And, and the ministry that we offer here at the church, and I thought, especially on today, all across the country, today is Celebrate Recovery Sunday. Uh, men and women all over the country, much like us, are gathering in sanctuaries and in buildings, and they're celebrating recovery. What it means to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the onset, I want to say this. It's easy for some, I think, to sit in a service like a Celebrate Recovery service or to listen to a, a testimony like we just heard and to say, well, I've really never battled drugs or I've never battled uh, alcohol. I've never really had a substance abuse problem. So this really doesn't apply to me. Um, it's easy sometimes to kind of have that private position maybe, if we can say it that way. But I want to remind you before we pray this morning and get into the scriptures that there was a time where man and God walked perfectly peaceful together. There was no enmity in the heart of man towards God. There was no separation between God the Father and His Son. There was absolute, what the Old Testament in Hebrew, it calls it shalom. Absolute, whole peace. And then we know something happened right in the garden. If you're churched at all, if you're not churched, let me catch you up without taking you through the book of Genesis. That man and woman together made a conscious decision to fall. To reject and to rebel against God. And from that day on, I want to, there to be no mistakes this morning. From that moment on, all of mankind has been in a state of recovery. Alright? The Bible tells us that we all fallen short of the glory of God, but right before that it says all have sinned. So this morning your, your hurt, your habit, or your hang-up may not be drugs or alcohol. It might be something much more subtle that you might even get patted on the back for. Maybe it's your job that robs you away from your family. Maybe it's the success that you're addicted to. Or the degree you're chasing, or the common decimal that you're trying to move. It applies to it all. To us all this morning. Every single one of us who walked in this door, in this room, and sat together and heard these songs and worshiped and listened to Prince's testimony, every single one of us have been hurt. Every person in this room. We've felt deep emotional pain. Every single one of us have struggled with a habit. Some of us, it's, it's like biting our nails, which I think is super gross, right? Aggressive with it. But you, you take that and you span the distance of whatever severe degree you want. Everyone struggles with a habit, and there's always these hang-ups in life. Things that trip us up, things that try to pull us back down, things that try to tell us that we're not valuable and we don't have worth for God. Everybody sitting in this room has had a hurt habit or a hang-up, and every single one of us, if we've come to know Christ, are walking in recovery. So now I'm going to pray and I'll preach this one. Father, thank you so much this morning for your grace. We believe that you're the greatest of all time. That there's none like you. There's never been any like you. And there will never be any like you. You are infinitely better than anything that God, we could know on this planet. Anything we could taste. Anything that we could see. Anything that we could partake of. God, you are better. So God, my prayer this morning is that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive from you all that you have for us. We don't want to miss anything this morning, God. I pray that you would help us to remember, to be reminded in this, just this short time sitting under the word, God, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, that we're all recovering sinners. 
We're all in desperate need of the Savior. And we've been invited to the table. We're grateful for that. Jesus is everybody together said. Amen. I, it would, I think it would be beneficial for you to understand and to hear um, what celebrate recovery is and what it means to actually celebrate and what it actually means to recover. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through um, this word together, beginning with R. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The first step, recovery, and we're going to talk about this morning, is realizing I am not God. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot that down. The very first thing that we have to acknowledge, no matter what hurt, have, or hang up that we're dealing with, is that we realize that we're not God. We admit that we are powerless to control our tendency to do wrong. And that our lives are unmanageable. We have to, at some point, realize, and I know we don't like to hear that, we don't like to receive that, we want to say, no, TJ, I have my stuff together. You don't understand, I have schedules and I'm organized, but hear me when I say this, the Bible did not say that we were sick in our sin, it said that we were dead in our sin. That our lives of sin were unmanageable. Our lives of sin were absolutely broken. And what we have to have this morning is a good and faithful God who starts the process all by himself of recovery. We have to acknowledge God. Now, I've tried it a million times and I just keep kind of screwing things up. You've got to have control. I'm not God, but we try to play that role in our lives. We try to control our own decisions, our own things, our own wants. I mean, all of man tried to do it for years and years and years, making sacrifices, trying to be rule followers, right? There came a day where they had to realize, I am not God, but I desperately need it. I can't be the Lord of my life, but I desperately need to surrender to Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation. Today, the beginning process in recovery is to realize that we are not God. If we move to the E, it would say that we earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 4, happy are those who mourn, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There is a God who absolutely exists, and to Him you matter. Do you hear me this morning? And he has the power to help you recover. Romans 1.16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe, the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God this morning. He has the power to help us recover. He has the power to help us move from death to life. He is the only one with the absolute power to set us free. So we run to God. We admit that we are not God and that He is and we earnestly believe that He exists, that we matter to Him and that He has the power and has given us the power to be free. The seat in recovery is that we consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control consciously choose. We make a commitment in our heart and we make a decision in our mind to commit all of our life to Christ's care. 
We put our lives and our wills and our dreams and all that we desire on the table. And we say, Christ, I'm committing. I'm making a decision to follow you. I'm making this decision. And see, sometimes when we say decision or when we say salvation, we talk about those things. We, we think sometimes it's just coming down and praying a prayer and then going and just kind of kicking it. Everything's cool. Hear me when I say this. Real recovery looks like daily dying to ourselves. Real recovery looks like a lifestyle of repentance. Coming back to God on the daily saying, God, I am not, but you are. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, you can jot that down and go read it, but Daniel was uh, taken into captivity because he was a handsome guy. He, he was brilliant. He was very smart. And the king, they, they put the spread in front of him and all of this meat and all this fine wine. And this is what the Bible said about Daniel. It said that Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. David purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. That means Daniel made a conscious decision that what was in front of him was not as good as God. See, we have to make a decision. We have to make this conscious choice to follow Christ. Making this, this decision to stiff arm the world and cling to Christ. Oh, in recovery, is that we openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, I'm going to read this again because this is when it starts getting uncomfortable, right? Everything else is pretty cool because it's just about us and God. But then this is when it gets kind of squirrely on us. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself. I'm good with that. To God, okay. And to someone I trust. Pump the brakes. Right? The Bible actually says this in Galatians. Bear ye one another's burdens. In so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ. Hear me when I say this. Christianity is not some maverick religion where we just roll like a lone ranger. Alright? Even he has some life. Christianity is this community of men and women who absolutely understand that they're not God, but he is, so they do life together. They encourage one another. They lift each other up. They find people in their lives who will hold them accountable. And they walk alongside of them. And you say, see, I'm not really into that accountability stuff. Then listen, you're not really in finishing well your Christian walk. I'm going to say that again. I want you to miss it. See, see, I'm not really into accountability. If someone hold me accountable or confessing my sins, then you're not really into finishing well. We're desperate this morning. We don't even realize how desperate we are for community, but we absolutely need it. In the Old Testament, I love the Old Testament, there's a story of the children of Israel in battle, and they were in the middle of this valley, and they were warring. God told Moses, hey, as long as your hands are in the air, you're going to win. But if your hands fall, you're going to lose. 
So Moses begins the battle. Moses isn't fighting. He's just holding his arms up, being obedient to God, holding his arms up. And the children of Israel begin to thrive and to win the battle. And all of a sudden, Moses begins to grow weary. Moses, the leader, the one who, under the power of God, set the children of Israel free, who told Pharaoh that he was not going to have any more captivity over his people, and he bailed all the Hebrews out of bondage, okay? This guy began to grow weak. His arms began to drop, and the children of Israel began to be pushed back to lose. And he lift his arms, and the children of Israel would advance, and there would be victory, and his arms would grow weak, and they would be overcome by the enemy. And if the story ended with Moses standing alone on the mountain, it would have been a defeat for Israel. And what's beautiful is that two guys came along, their names were Aaron and Hur. You know what they did? One of them propped under one arm, and one of them propped under the other. So when Moses was all out of strength and he could go on no longer, he didn't have to do it by himself. There was community, there was accountability, there was somebody saying, Moses, I know you're weak, but I'm not going to let us lose. Find people in your life. Seek out mature believers in your life. When I say mature, absolutely, because there are a lot of immature people masquerading as devout spiritual leaders. Find someone mature who that you feel comfortable doing life with, confessing sin to, and knowing that they won't call 37 people on the phone and say, hey, i got something I want you to pray about with you, right? You don't want that. And if you're doing that, repent, all right? And what would it look like if we were a church, we were a community, we were a family, that you had people in your life that when you knew you could no longer hold your arms up or walk your faith journey, someone reached down and picked you up. So examine your faults to yourself to God and share them with someone you trust. Bear you one another's burdens and so doing fulfill the law of Christ. Believe. In recoveries, voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. I know for some of us it's hard to believe, but we have character defects. We struggle with evident marks of our sin and our pride and our selfishness and our materialism. Evidence of the fall printed on us that we need Christ to absolutely radically redeem us from. So voluntarily submit to any and all changes that God wants to make in our lives. Hebrews 12, 11 says, Discipline in the moment seems painful, but in the end produces fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline. God, here I am. Prune me if you need to prune me. That's not a prayer we want to pray. To be honest with you, I said it in the very service. I said, God, listen, this is not a prayer that I wake up. I'm like, God, would you please just sharpen your tools and cut away from my life all of TJ? It's not something that I typically routinely pray. Why? Because I know God will cut me, right? That's why we don't really pray, you can have it all, Lord. Because as soon as we go all in, we're like, accept that, right? And this and that. Keep these things, Jesus. Voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants in my life. I want you to read this verse from Romans chapter 12. Don't be 
conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable in verse. But don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, open to transformation. God, would you change me? God, would you, would you like a good sculptor to cut away the rock? God, would you like a perfect painter to smooth out my edges? God, would you prune me? The E in recovery is that we evaluate all our relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. Hear this one more time. Evaluate our relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others. What would it look like if we fought for forgiveness? And hear me when I say this this morning. Every single one of us on some level in this room have been hurt, we've been wounded, we have been offended. And listen, it feels good, I'll just confess, there are people in my life, people in my family who are close to me, who I look to for confidence and grace and guidance when I was younger and received just not love. I received abandonment and rejection. I was wounded deeply. And from my personal testimony, I want you to hear me say this, that it feels good sometimes to hold on to that bitterness and that rejection. Hold on to that hurt. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget the day I came face to face with the cross of Calvary. And what I realized at the cross of Calvary is that there's no offense that I can hold to that's greater than the offense of the cross. I put the Son of God on Calvary's hill with my sin. It was my failure in my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. My offense to God was that big. My offense to God was killing His spotless Son with my sin. You say, well, TJ, I didn't hold the hammer. Yes, you did. Yes, I did with our sin. And God, in His faithfulness and in His goodness and in His love towards humanity, forgave the offense so that He could call us sons and daughters. And if God can forgive such a great offense that I committed to Him, who am I to hold the world's offense against them? Who are we? See, we think we're protecting ourselves. We begin to build walls and hold on to this offense and this bitterness and we feel this rage towards people in our hearts and we hold this bitterness. We kind of stiff-arm these people. And I'm just closing myself in, I'm walling myself in so I'm not hurt again. And what we realize is we've, we've imprisoned ourselves in fear and shame. And there's a key to that cell this morning. It's called forgiveness. Would you turn? Forgiveness. Happy are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not only do we evaluate our relationships, we also reserve daily time as we begin to close the word recovery. What it means to be active in recovery. We're all sinners in the process of recovering and becoming sons and daughters of God on the daily. So we reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer. In order to know God and His will. 
for my life and to gain the power to follow His will. Hebrews 12, 11, I want you to hear it again. Discipline in the moment seems painful, but in the end it produces fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Because I don't have time. Yes, you do. Discipline. Carve out some time to get to know God. Dig into His Word. Dig into prayer time. Process of recovery is getting to know the one who created you, getting to know the one who's giving you the power to overcome every single day. Reserve some time, make it special. So you're in God's plan. The last one is for me is that we yield ourselves to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and my words. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. In the book of Matthew. You turn there with me if you want to. Just jot it down. Most of you probably know my heart. I've heard it many times if you've been here on Sunday mornings. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19. We're beginning 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you, even until the end of the age. We yield ourselves to the story of God because we're now a part of the story of God. We allow God to use the work that He's done in our lives, our hurts, habits, hang-ups, our dreams, and our process of sanctification and being transformed to be an example to others. I love that idea in Scripture. See, some of us may sit this morning and say, T.J., well, you don't know where I've been or you don't know what I've done. I could never really be an example. I want to remind you of one guy before we wrap up this morning. His name is Saul. He kind of made himself famous by being one of the greatest terrorists of the church of all time. He thrived on dragging men and women and children out of their homes and having them put to death if they followed Jesus. He was a terrorist. Terrorized the church that was just springing up and beginning to spread the gospel. One encounter with the God of recovery. One encounter. God changed his name to Paul and he became the greatest missionary in advance ever known. The first greatest church planner that we ever get to see in the Bible. A man who had a past. God grabbed a hold of him. One encounter with God. The God of recovery allowed his life and his example to take the gospel to the nations. Would you allow your life to be a billboard for the gospel of Christ? He loves you. He's for you. And no matter what you walk through or what you're currently walk, walking through, He will be with you even until the end of the age. He's a God of recovery. No matter your hurt, your habit, your hang up, you matter to Him this morning. We love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. God, help us to realize that we're not you. There's no other God beside you. Help us to, to believe that you exist and that we matter to you, Lord. Sometimes it's hard to do, but you said your word that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you love us and are for us. God, give us the power through the, your Holy Spirit to choose to commit our lives to you, to make a conscious choice to follow you. 
God, help us to be bold and brave and humble enough to examine and confess our faults to you, to ourselves, and to others in accountability. God, help us to submit to your prayer. Any changes you want to make, God, here we are. God, help us to offer forgiveness, to turn the key of forgiveness. Some of us have locked ourselves in prisons of guilt and shame and bitterness, resentment. Help us to turn the key of forgiveness this morning. God, that means seeking someone out or calling someone up, God. That means walking across the room even here, God. Help us, Jesus. God, help us to make time for you. Set you in your rightful place. God, help us to heal all of who we are to be a billboard for your glory, a testimony. The only one that can take dirt and mud and clay and make masterpieces. You're the only one that can take the mess and turn it into a message. You're the only one, God, that can take all of the broken pieces of our lives and turn it into a beautiful mosaic of your glory. So do it, Jesus. Do work, Jesus. Simple as I can pray. Just do work. We love you, Jesus. Name.